Hello guys, welcome to Witness the Fitness, a podcast where two personal trainers and bloody great friends, Sophie and Lauren, take a deep dive into unpacking the nuance beyond exercise science. So on this episode, we are going to be having a little natter about two things we're very passionate about. First of all, we're going to check in with you guys with what we've been getting up to, how we are, and just how we feel about the general burning that is 2020, the general effigy of despair. Um, you know, we've been really um, getting involved with clients, absolutely loving their progress, um, developing ourselves as in our careers, this, particularly in the last few weeks, seeing where we want to go, expanding our learning with Faster and getting on board with some of the certification stuff that they've been doing, which has been really fun, but also really hard goddamn feet anatomy will never get easy um <laughs> and generally been getting on with our own kind of business related projects but also just trying to love life in the cesspit that is covid19 yeah. um so lauren do you want to get specific about what you've been getting on in your life well i think it's important that i go first in this because although i am busy I am not as, um, Sophie has like literally a million things on. Um, this is a <laughs> I've just very happily been, um, I've got to a place now with my online business where I'm kind of getting towards being completely full up, which is yeah. amazing considering I just went online with clients in March when this whole shit show kicked off. Um, what else is going on? I have my own trainer now. That's quite cool. So I'm building on my own skills of my own fitness. All my classes are going on and keeping me oh, up yeah. fit. Um, and you guys should definitely go to our classes because they're amazing. <laughs> I've done them so yeah, well. Fun. I love them. And there's cats. There are cats. The cats have been going off. Um, I guess generally, personally, what's been keeping me busy is my um, my general levels of anxiety at the um, at the pandemic. <laughs> And, uh, but work, yeah, work has been busy. Um, and that's basically it, really. I just have work. Sophie will tell you all of the mad things that she's doing now. <laughs> um, so I've been doing um, kind of similar stuff in terms of online. I've, I've, I've picked up a couple of, a uh, few more online slots. I do really like online, especially during this new era, whereby some people just don't want to go to the gym. Fair enough to them. And actually in this episode, we'll discuss... I think some of the implications of expanding your knowledge as a PT and how it can really help with transitioning your clients and coaching online. So yeah, we've been doing a lot of studying. Um, I've been cracking on with them. I'm also contracted and self-employed at a gym in Chelsea called Kicks and we've been getting really busy there. Um, it's been really nice. I really like training people in person. Like I love online as well, but I'm a sucker for a gym. Um, not necessarily because of the equipment, but I don't know why the energy, the ambience, I really like it. And I like, I'm, I'm such a stickler for routine, blame my autism. So I like getting up early and I like getting the bus and I like being able to think, oh, I've compartmentalized commuting to work. Um, for me, I can differentiate work and play a bit more. So that's why I kind of like it selfishly. Um, so that's been going really well. And it's, I, um, Kicks also have a great little education platform. So it's been really positive and inspiring to be surrounded by trainers who you know egg each other on to do whatever they want and what they want to specialize in and to learn from really experienced people in the industry so it's been very positive um i've started my master's in psychology and neuroscience which i'm oh. absolutely loving but it's a lot of work but i mean i'm I, it's worth every minute but it yeah. is it's been it's been a challenge to adjust to the new routine not because i hate it because my my nervous system is like what do you mean you're also studying 15 hours a week on top of your work? So it's, it's been very interesting to 
acclimatized to that and i know it will be much easier in the next couple of weeks it's just my body's being a bit of a wimp because it's like oh no what do you mean you're doing something new yeah go fuck yourself body um and i've also got a podcast deal for something completely separate and a book deal which is in line with the podcast that i'll be doing solo this is, this is not to promote the podcast because i actually tried to get witness the fitness to be sponsored but they didn't want fitness podcasts they wanted me to talk about philosophy which is terrifying so it's just gonna be talking about philosophy and life development and how to leave a me- lead a meaningful life basically so we'll be t- talking about a lot about that in the, the podcast and basically making it hopefully educational educational edutainment so it's not it's not just me being like and read this book it's like hey this dude said this how can we apply it to modern day techniques? And also, is it bullshit? Is it useful? So it's hopefully going to be somewhat meaningful. That sounds really cool. And I would love to know more for, I think there's a lot of crossovers of how much, how you can apply it to what we do as well right. with um, personal training and coaching. And right. just, I guess how we treat ourselves when we're trying to, I don't know, work towards a fitness goal yeah. as well with certain things that come up. Um, the the question why is such a fundamental tenet in philosophy and also when you're coaching yourself or someone else the client Mm. yeah absolutely very cool so bloody cool i'm so proud of you anyway we'll stop um we'll stop we're literally uh, gushing over each other which is very hot yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah basically we're sort of rolling along we're doing some quite cool stuff both of us um and we're pretty proud of ourselves and we're doing this bad boy we're back we have been away we've been doing yeah like you say we've been we've gotten suddenly very busy so we did drop off but we thought we will get back on it today and just get it on done so (laughs) we are going to be doing uh ladies and germs um folks and humans we're going to be talking about progressive overload and posture which i think are two very juicy topics and Laura and I were saying because the two can be quite interlinked we're just going to have a good little natter and basically the conversation whereby there will be some element of posture for instance that becomes incredibly relevant when we're discussing the terminology and necessity of progressive overload so we're going to have a good old natteruni and hopefully it'll be a bit useful to you whether you're a coach or a client or just a curious human being who's like what the fuck is this podcast oh my god what have I got myself into and now I'm listening and I'm still listening to Sophie rambling on <laughs> so we um i'm firstly well we'll get into like the definition side of things first um i'm going to be covering posture um i've been chatting about it recently um in fair fair amount of detail on my own page um on instagram i'm going to be talking about what the hell posture is the different psychological, biological, and social things that can affect it. Uh, probably a non-exhaustive list, as it, we could be here for a very long time if I did try and do an exhaustive list. Um, is there such a thing as generalised good or bad posture? And when the hell we should care about posture as a thing for your life when you're moving around? Um, so yeah, I will start by going into the definition of what the hell is posture. Um, So it's literally just the position our bodies take when we are sitting. So what I'm doing right now, um, standing, doing or doing anything. So exercising, working, hugging cats, um, when you're sitting hunched over your desk on Zoom all day, or you're rocking back and forth at the thought of lockdown 2.0, etc., etc. Uh, <laughs> so 
the point I want to get across uh, straight at the top of this is that posture isn't just the image of a person hunched over a desk. It's not that, um, it's not one specific position. It's every position that you go into um, and all of the different joints um, and bones that are involved in creating those shapes, I guess. Uh, to follow up from that, I'm just going to define progressive overload so you guys know where we're at. Because if I'm jumping in, you'll be like, what the fuck is she talking about? Now, from here on in, if I discuss progressive overload, um, generally we define progressive overload as a concept associated with adding greater demand to both the musculoskeletal and the nervous system. Um, and what does that mean in like layman's terms? It means if I go to the gym one week and I'm lifting like 50 kilos of squat, I'm like, that was pretty heavy. Next week, I want to make sure I am loading that squat a bit more because I want to get better at squatting and I want to lift a bit heavier on my squat. I might lift 55 kilos for the same number of reps or increase my reps, for instance. But what, as you'll discover through the podcast chat, it becomes a lot more complex than that in the sense that we know the traditional term of progressive overload is often associated with high, with adding more times you lift something or do a certain movement or exercise or how much weight is required, or basically how much gravity is basically being forced against you and how much you're resisting that, let's say. Um, and they're, they're all very good, well and good. And I, I'm, a, I'm a lifty, tinny girl. Like I like to be strongy. So I love a good deadlift. So I would never, I would never besmirch the barbell. I, I won't personally, because I love it slight bias but what I would urge both coaches and clients to do is to look at and reframe potential other aspects of what progressive overload is given the definition we've just outlined given the definition of greater demand to musculoskeletal nervous system there is much more out there that we can adapt based on a person's positioning i.e posture in that we can load them in ways that doesn't require weights or barbells and I say this particularly because if you are nervous about a lockdown, if you're nervous about potentially gyms closing, or you're just nervous about going to the gym full stop, there are more than one ways to, sorry, Lauren, to skin a cat. Get off I hope my no cats. cats in that room. <laughs> yeah, no cat, no cat skinning today, my friends. Um, and it should empower you as coaches and clients and people who just want to get into movement um, and reassure you that, you know, dependent on your goals, there, there are ways of progressively overloading um, that aren't necessarily traditional, which I think Definitely. is quite exciting. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, I haven't been in a gym or touched a weight since lockdown started in March. Right. Um, and I've actually seen some person. I mean, this is completely anecdotal, obviously. I'm not basing this on any research. This is just my experience. <laughs> but uh, I've experienced quite um, large changes in my, I guess, my body, uh, physically how it performs and also the muscle tone and I think I mean I've had a massive change in stimulus uh in the way that I train and even though I've not touched anything to help my gravitational pull to the earth <laughs> in the form of weights um I've just been consistently doing a lot of body weight training in my classes uh I've actually put on some muscle which is quite interesting <laughs> Well, one of my clients, um, she is, she's 66, so she doesn't want to go yeah. to a gym. She, yeah. she kind of, not well, isn't necessarily high risk, she wants to be cautious. She's never done a push-up in her life, and we've managed to get her doing now 12 reps, easy, three sets, full of push-ups, which is awesome. And you cannot, you cannot tell me or tell any budding scientist that that hasn't um, equated to there being a gain in muscle, muscle, muscle tone in that sense. Because, you know, and that's the thing, you know, and we haven't touched weights since 
March, I think. We haven't touched any sort of form of weights. We've been in lockdown with just literal body weight. But based on certain methodologies and using a basic tenet of progressive overload, but adapting it in ways that are creative, it's meant she's gotten stronger and has added greater demand just by different variations. And we will explore that in the podcast. So heading back over to posture, um, as we've spoken about many times on this podcast before, uh, there are many biological, psychological and social factors that affect everything to do with being a human being. And um, posture is no different. Uh, there are so many factors that affect how we stand, sit and move around. And it's really important to consider this wider picture when we're talking about posture, especially when there's a lot of chat about certain postures being better than others, because it's a much, much bigger, bigger thing to talk about. So let's start off with the biological, because in some aspects, that's the simplest I think to understand. With posture, uh, as I said, like it's posture is literally any position that you're in uh, and that can be affected biologically by your genetics. So for example, I was born with, um, I guess, femurs like my thigh bones, um, always kind of turn in in my hips and my knees always look at each other. Um, and that is how I was born yeah. and it's never going to change. <laughs> and it, affects yeah. how I move and it affects, yeah, it affects how I stand. Um, so those are my genetics and that has played a part in how I am. And then you can also get certain conditions as well. Like for example, if we look at the spine, um, we all have kind of slightly different curves to our backs. Uh, and you can also get certain conditions like scoliosis where you get a kind of lateral curve to your back. Um, and there's a lot of talk about especially when you're talking about the back and certain postures are described as bad and then some are described as good, um, kind of completely go out the window when you look at conditions like scoliosis. Another biological uh, aspect that can really affect how you move is your skill level at an exercise or just a movement. Um, so this is really important for fitness and Sophie's going to be talking about this, I imagine, quite a bit with uh, progressive overload because your skill level at a movement is important for um, and an aspect that you can play with for progressive overload. Um, so take an example, like your first ever weighted deadlift would probably look very different to the maximum weight deadlift that you did five years later after you became a world-breaking powerlifter. Um, another thing biologically can affect posture is injury and pain. Um, obviously, if you fall off a pavement, you're very unlucky and you have an inversion sprain in your ankle, you'll probably be limping around for a little while, which will absolutely affect you further on up the chain and change your posture in your legs, in your torso, etc. Um, moving on to the psychological uh, things that affect posture, we're going to come in with a big one, emotions. Um, so <laughs> I want you to think about um, like caricatures of emotions, so like sad where someone might be quite hunched over and like confident, like big chest, shoulders back, um, happy, kind of bouncy, um, side to side, angry, quite big, quite, um, I guess, taking up space and um, being quite commanding with their presence. Um, and if you think about all of those, those are all examples of different postures and how our emotions can affect our posture as well, which is not something that is often spoken about. 
turn, but it absolutely affects how we move as well. Uh, for example, if you are feeling really nervous and anxious walking into a gym environment, you might very well find that you lifted different as opposed to if, again, you're in that powerlifting gym, you're surrounded by your friends and you're about to go for a max deadlift mm -hmm. and they're screaming your name like, you got this, you know? Um, the history of your previous injuries is also another really good example because I already mentioned injuries as a biological factor that affects posture, but it also falls into the psychological because, and these things generally do cross over with each other, the biopsychosocial, hence the model <laughs> that we talk about all the time. Um, but research suggests that one of the main predictors of experiencing an injury is whether you've had the same injury before. Um, so the body has various protective mechanisms to stop you from having injuries again. Um, so for example, even if you experienced a, a injury 10 years ago, like say you um, pulled your back out lifting a cat litter tray, which is actually an injury that one of my clients had, <laughs> and it was years ago, um, your body may, your nervous system may put in kind of protective messaging um, in place so that when you go towards that position again, you may not be able to move through such a large range of motion um, or it might change the biomechanics of how you move through those postures so that you don't go through that same path that injured you the first time. And um, so that's quite interesting. Um, and then lastly is the social aspects. And these kind of play into the societal theories around posture and um, the stories that we tell ourselves. And we're all kind of, we all have these beliefs and it's impossible to avoid um, because posture is spoken about across all aspects of our lives it's you might when you sign up at a new job you might have to do a safety in the workplace thing where they tell you oh you must lift yeah. with your knees and not your back and things like that and then you get oh everyone's got text neck now or um oh you're text is the worst thing it's that's the most scientific thing I've read but is it it's exactly tech tech is exactly the same as desk back or desk hips yep. um you know we're constantly told to not sit with rounded shoulders it's bad for your back squatting too low is bad for your knees and um these narratives are reinforced by people that we trust like pts physio family friends advertising um doctors yeah and it it affects it affects how we move and if you then um put that in with potentially the other things like the biological maybe you're kind of coming into an exercise that you're not as skilled at um and and you've had an injury in the past say in your back that might absolutely affect your experience of going to pick up a weight for a deadlift for your first time because there's all these different things at play at once so yeah those are non-exhaustive list of things that could affect your posture <laughs> so um it's yeah. a lot but that's fine because that's like a big that's a big and there's, there's more there's more like that's the thing you've scratched the surface in a way that's amazing but it just goes to show you that 
something as vastly complex as posture cannot be just solved by doing a dead bug or by telling you that you need a foam roll or that you know you have hypophosis or aldosis or all these diagnoses human beings are vastly complex creatures that aren't just biomedical spheres of experiment but also as we've discussed psychological and sociological creatures whereby we absorb and assimilate so much information beyond our internal schema so we take on all this information and we internalize it and as a result our biology is impacted by what's going on externally i mean you can even look at epigenetics as well if you really want to go down to the nitty-gritty about it and how we can switch on a gene on and off depending on the environment and the potential rate of um, risk of being of being exposed to a hereditary um, gene, which means you might be more predisposed to being in a bad or anxious mood, which means your posture is going to change. So it's so it's not just as um, clear cut as saying, well, this joint is this, or this muscle is this, or you've got fascial lines here that need a bit of um, bit of massaging, and you'll be okay. If only, if only it was that simple. Like we would love to tell our clients, just give yourself a bit of foam roll, and then you'll be good. A lot of it isn't even correct science. So it's not even correct biomedical yeah. theories, um, which, is, which is funny because it's not necessarily, it can, I don't think it can really be a biomedical theory if it's not correct. So some of the things that you might see from um, people or, or companies, um, not naming names, but someone like Move You, <laughs> for instance, they might be purporting to um, solve an issue by fixing it or, you know, rubbing it or stretching it a certain way. But the, the science yeah. isn't there to back it up or the research they use is cherry picked and it's it's poor quality it's not actually the rigorous science and actual and and genu um, genuinely thorough biology that undergoes peer 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 reviewed research i th what i don't like is people think that when we talk about this they're saying well you're not looking at the physical physiological or biomedical we are but the problem is yeah. the lens is often so much so on the biomedical that we almost have to go back and almost play devil's advocate and say yes of course we have these contradictions yes of course we have genuine ligament tears and surgeries that have to be worked around we're not doubting that but if someone mm. is coming in with lower back pain that's more chronic and more lo lower tier that is something i think that is much more complex than just saying oh well you've got um a dodgy disc so do, do you know roll on it yeah it's never the answer no i mean such a we could go on, we should do a whole podcast on lower back pain sure. because it's yeah, so, good. it's so common and it's something that almost at some point everyone kind of experiences to some degree. I had it today and I haven't, I haven't trained yeah. yet because I've been stressed, yeah. but it's not, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's the anxiety back. Here we go. <laughs> Hello darkness, my old friend. Like, you know, it's it often, yeah. you know, your nervous system is very clever and it wants to protect you in ways that just go to transcend, not just how you're moving and not just getting injured, but also for feeling mentally well. And that little ache in the lower back is almost like a signal to say like, whoa there, we're going into a threatening situation. Do we want to go in this? How can we equip ourselves with the right thing, tools to deal with it? It's a way to we're okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I always describe like, some postures are more appropriate for certain skills and others are more appropriate for other skills. So rather than saying good or bad, um, it's also worth noting that we become skilled in the postures we use a lot. Um, so for example, if you learnt to deadlift with a super rounded back, you'd therefore get really good at doing so. And then lifting with a more inverted commas, I realise this is an audio medium, um, neutral spine. <laughs> would probably feel really weird. 
And also, um, you're not as efficient. If you are a power yeah. lifter attempting to get the bar off the ground up into from A to B, a flex yeah. spine is going to be your best friend. Absolutely. And so a flex spine, and you see in more and more strength and conditioning programming now, they're starting to lift with more flex spines and different spinal positions as being a beneficial variation of that skill. Um, which again is really interesting and you know essence, I think strength and conditioning tends to take a long time to catch up yeah but that's okay because it is um, and what else was I gonna say oh yeah I know what I was gonna say um, even if you did lift with a quote-unquote neutral spine there is still spinal flexion yes. there there's basically neutral spine is such a oh the term I just hate it if you've got someone if you really could have x-ray vision you would see there would be flexion um yeah spines aren't straight they're not straight rods they're sort of lovely curvy snakes and some people have more variable curvy snakes than other people i like this, and, this um, turn yeah it got good exactly but i've um you know i've trained um a number of clients with scoliosis and um more kind of i guess uh larger variable curves to their spines and they are i mean so one of my clients as you know i won't mention her name but was one of the strongest clients i've ever had she was um, strong as fuck and she was incredible um and she is incredible so it's there's no posture that is dangerous it's more a question of building up your skill it at an appropriate level um, and speed for you in the exercise that you want to do, whether it's lifting weights or um, playing tennis or riding a horse or doing jujitsu, right. whatever it is, it's building up at the intensity um, and volume that you need, which I feel goes very nicely straight back into progressive overload. I knew you were going to segue that in, you slide dog. I was actually anticipating when I was like, oh, she's done such a good job with this. Um, so as Lauren rightly <laughs> says, uh, skill is such an important component of the exercises and the movement we do. Um, so as we mentioned before, I'm just going to recap quickly the progressive overload concept, i.e. <laughs> adding greater demand to musculoskeletal and nervous system. A progressive overload will look very different for a 25-year-old bodybuilder trying to get gains than a 66-year-old just who wants to move a bit more and avoid hip pain, right? So how you would approach progressive overload would be different. And that goes on to discuss favorite methods to achieve progressive overload without equipment. So you can develop this sense of sequencing and skill, I think, by different ranges. And we learn about this a lot and faster, and I really like this approach. So obviously you have the traditional force against gravity which you can use yeah. barbells you can use with bands any kind of stuff and you can use it with your own body weight as well um so we have gravity and then we have ground reaction and momentum um, and these are really really handy ways of actually loading postures and certain positions of your body to get stronger in a certain um area so ground reaction mm -hmm. force for instance is the force exerted by the ground on something that's in contact with it so if you're standing motionless the ground will exert a little force going up on it and at the same time because newton was the boy an equal and opposite ground reaction force is exerted by the ground on that body so the body's exerting a force the ground is exerting a force a bit of a tug of war um so of course, that means if we're thinking about that in just general terms, we can manipulate that equation almost. Because if a force, let's say the force, we call it an action, right? 
if it acts upon a body, then we need an opposite and equal reaction because Newton set this out. Don't blame me. This was all Newton's work, which means we can actually manipulate how hard we go against the ground to get more force going, more force going up onto our body, which means our muscles and joints have to work harder in a sense um, and produce more, produce more force against the ground force. So we're actually getting stronger by there because we're generating more force as, as a result when we're, we're not using a barbell and then you have momentum which is kind of like a crossover between gravity it's kind of before you, before you go on to momentum do you want to give some examples of like ground force reaction i can say so, oh, i guess standing up is but then standing up like, is. i mean even walking right i mean walking walk, is also yeah. momentum to be honest but again momentum and ground reaction and gravity kind of overlap they do um well, yeah. ground reaction like um we do this quite a lot with our clients don't we when we get them into push-ups and do like good old end range hand lunge so if you're mm. on a push-up and you're in that position where you are in the end range you might be on your knees or something and you just move the hand to the side or upwards whilst you're staying nice and low it's a good example of exerting ground force through the body and then the, the ground is also coming back up in yeah. so to speak so then yeah. your um you, you, then you have to develop more for the muscles where you're trying to work have to develop more force immediately to react against what the ground is doing so you end up getting quite strong quite quickly and very skilled at the the movement indeed yeah i guess it's also like a really simple way of explaining why you know certain athletes well actually all athletes will build muscle mm -hmm. without potentially using any weights or going to the gym mm -hmm. because they're working in they're doing body they're just doing their sport yeah. and it's body weight um but they're still getting those that ground force reaction yeah. all the time yeah. and obviously they're working at an intensity and um, getting all of that volume in there during their sport 100%. that elicits a muscle growth response so it doesn't have to be um through the gym it's fine if you want to get better at squats but if you want to get better at sprinting that's a sport specific thing and you're loading a certain posture there in a squat which is fine and it's great and it's awesome but you have to think but why am i loading that posture why am i loading that position in the body is it going to help me get to the goal i want which is why progressive yeah. overload i think can be generalized too much to the point where it becomes a generic snc program it's like well okay why give them a trap bar deadlift what's it going to help them with but if they're just trying to get strong here and they're trying to get toned and they like trap bar deadlifts yes awesome fine. fine not a problem not a problem but if they are like i'm using this as an example like a, a jiu-jitsu player um jiu-jitsu fighter are quite a safe bet for jiu-jitsu but also i would ask them why i'd always ask a reasoning why you'd give some an athlete an exercise what does it do to improve their skill at a sport um, yeah absolutely you know, that's the thing As especially when you're coming to things like i mean this is a whole other topic and we can do it definitely do some talk about sports specificity yeah. more in a episode um because it's another huge huge topic um but yeah application in uh with personal training especially with things like running uh you see a lot of programs coming out with uh hip thrusts and squats and lunges which is which is fine but yeah it's fine if it's generic like, again it's fine if you're just a gen popper you yeah oh good yeah fine but if it's a sports if it's a sports person i'm like okay but why why are you giving yeah. a tennis player hip thrusts or squats? It's not, absolutely, because it's yeah. not going to improve the tennis game and it's no. not going to make someone's running more efficient. No, not at all. 
in fact it you might get gains initially because obviously if you're improving like the force vector of your glutes which are incredibly powerful you're going to get some crossover of course but yeah. there's going to be a point where you plateau because you just haven't developed the skill squeak sequencing yeah and and then yeah. you could actually um lower yeah. your progression over you time could, you after could get you worse <laughs> you could it could have negatively impact your sport anyway that's um so yeah that's really really cool okay momentum momentum is um again a bit of a crossover but momentum is a great one i do with my clients and i know you yeah. do this as well momentum is if we're going to put this in like equation terms is literally mass times velocity so if like yeah. an elephant has no momentum it's if we're standing still we're standing still and technically you could say there might be some force against us of course we've got ground reaction forces going on blah, blah, blah. but yeah. in general when we're standing still we're not moving forward but when we begin to walk we will have momentum in the same direction as we are traveling so if i'm walking yeah. to the right then my momentum's going to go with me to the right so we can use this in to manipulate lots of variables, we can manipulate this in terms of working against momentum. We can use this, for yeah. instance, when you are working on like, in, in, for instance, we have in combat sports, when you're working on getting that return punch to come really, really fast, you can yeah. load the punch in a certain way that you are actually loading your momentum force on the way back. So you're training your body, your nervous system um, to feel safe and comfortable on the way back with that speed. So when you're punching in a fight, that return punch, which is the most important thing, because you don't want to get punched in the face, and if you do, then good on you, then it comes back really quickly, because your nervous system is like, okay, cool, I've done this. I've done this really heavy. I've loaded this bad boy before. This yeah. is absolutely nothing. Now I can come back to it. So momentum is a very interesting one, because you can literally use your body weight and increasing the speed of how you do an exercise. I guess you could argue for tempo, but to be honest, I think tempo gets conflated with a lot of bodybuildery stuff, which is fine. Yeah. It's not necessarily what we're aiming for here. Um, you can use momentum a lot to um, get the nervous system primed for the skill and also importantly, get your muscles to react to how your joints are moving in space very quickly yeah. and therefore developing that muscle muscular growth because they're like, oh shit, we need to get to work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, use, um, I use momentum all the time. Um, yeah, me too. With, as a way to get people out. If someone's struggling with the movement say they've done a side lunge and they're really struggling to get back to the start position because it's quite a new thing i might get them to chuck their hands to the right so yeah. that it creates momentum that forces them back absolutely absolutely and <laughs> um, I, say, I think it you can use it, yeah it's not a super advanced tool i use it all the time with um people that are learning exercises for the first time yeah. um, as ways to affect their posture doing something so that they get out of a position faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you'll learn, you're teaching them sequencing without them even realizing, yeah. which is awesome. Which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you know, with progressive overload, you've got so much at your fingertips that isn't just a barbell. And again, I am a strong, I love, I love a good chunky lift. I would never just yeah. the chunky lifts. Um, but this is just for you coaches out there who might feel like there's a plateau in your learning or you're not sure how to progress a skill. You're not sure how to make your programming appropriate for the client and, and their needs. Mm -hmm. And also for clients mm -hmm. at home without equipment. There's loads that yeah. we've given you three good ways. I mean, I know gravity we've discussed prior, but let's say two novel ways of, of putting muscular growth stimulus into your programming in a way that's also yeah. interesting and new. I think momentum and ground force reaction and talking about how to load muscles more at M range by using different positions um, as we mentioned 
it's really specific to what you're trying to do. So if you have a goal where you're trying to improve um, towards getting better at a sport, or if you want to learn how to target your glute max better because you just want giant bum cheeks, um, then it's really best to, you know, Sophie and I's uh, DMs are always open, as they say. Um, and so do slide in and ask us because we're more than happy to help you and give you the specifics to your situation because obviously we can't go through every specific in the on the earth no. because the, as much as I fucking love Sophie it would be would just be talking forever yeah it would be, yeah it would be bad <laughs> Alrighty. well if you have any questions as I said please do slide into our dms um about your specific goals and we will try and help you as much as we can and if you have any topic suggestions or things that you'd like us to talk about more with regards to any kind of pain science or sports or lifting or whatever it is um just come say hi um otherwise we will see you very soon bye